It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think you're cousin, you with me? Uh, you really do? Uh, anybody on your watch? Anybody in my family? Young, he's handsome. They know it. He's a poet, a prophet. Gold ain't have a net. Who would have dreamed from karaoke to cassette? I met Obi as an OG in the taxi. Nah, I was legends, recipes, pops, a legend, uh-huh Mike Corey and Sean Jordan was the essence of the young chorus where we grew from Seemed like a second, now they less important to the new son I guess today weighs more than yesterday It's morbid to suggest that they will come for them too When it's a brother younger than you, who humble and who? Used to coach a night, coast and blew up, who knew? He caught you on a rough night, you were stumbling through Now he telling you to get yours, get yours All of you reporters made it hard on them it's wild man i almost don't even know what to say or where to begin i guess a good place to start is by saying thank you corny right but for real though thank you thank you thank you why am i thanking you guys why am i showering you guys with praise to start the top of the show well today is a special day this podcast which will be going up tomorrow on saturday august 13th being recorded on friday night august 12th but the 13th of august 2022 will mark the 10 year anniversary of hiphopsportsupport.com I can't hardly believe it man 10 years 10 years I remember when I just did the, I feel like I just did the post for 5 years it was like a short little thing like hey congratulating ourselves on 5 years in the game you know what I'm saying 10 years dog 10 years wow this is a very special edition of the preseason podcast of the year. Jay Hicks is here. Uh, we're going to have some guests here momentarily. Anthony Houston and Kenneth Hicks, some uh, oldies but goodies, will be joining us to celebrate and to commemorate. This is going to be a special podcast. Uh, we're going to take some time to reflect on the last decade and think back to some of the most memorable moments in the history of this website in the history of sports and in the history of hip-hop music over the last 10 years. What were the moments that stood out? What were the moments that were most memorable? What were the things that happened? The pillar stone, the, the pillars of this website, the, the cornerstone moments, however you want to phrase it. What were the things that I can can look back on this with, with a lot of fond memories? Um, and hopefully you can too, because I know a lot of y'all been on for the ride for a long time. Which is why I figured I would start by saying thank you. And spoiler alert, we're probably going to conclude the podcast by saying thank you as well. But we've had so many great supporters over the years. Um, you know, I started this website by myself 10 years ago. Uh, and I was scared to do it, to be honest with you. I still get the anxiety a little bit when I push send when I'm about to publish something. Especially if it's something that I think might be 
deemed a little bit controversial or whatever. Uh, I, I you got to get over that, but I mean, there's still that like anxiety that makes me feel like a first-time writer or something like that. Um, I still have to psych myself up to push to push send sometimes. I don't write for uh, a living. I actually do have a day job. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, well, so let's let's backtrack. So I actually started Hip Hop Sports Support in 2012 when I was between jobs. And I didn't know where I was going to go with it. I didn't know how long I was going to do it. I just know all I knew was that I didn't I didn't quit stuff. I don't quit stuff. I've I've that's just kind of been my nature. If you don't know anything else about me, you know I'm not a quitter. Um I picked up alto saxophone in 5th grade. I played it all the way through high school, through 12th grade. I was in the band every year and all that stuff. You know, I I I, I it's hobbies and different things like I don't know man I just I just did them from an early age and I just never really stopped them like I fell in love with sports when I was about five six years old never stopped um, some people are in the cars I'm not in the cars I'm in the sports I'm in the basketball and the football largely because that's what my big brother was into but that's you know he was into pro wrestling too and I love pro wrestling I love WWF and WCW growing up and all that stuff um but yeah, man, I mean, like, that's that's what it was. And I fell in love with hip-hop probably a little bit after that. Probably was about 10 or 11 years old, something like that. That's when I really started getting into hip-hop. And I never stopped. And I still value that music. And I still feel like maybe my years of playing concert band uh, has trained my ear in such a way that I maybe I'm making too much of it. But, like, I just feel like I have a, a certain level of appreciation for the for the art behind it. And I just never stopped And you know I I don't, I don't know how to explain it man Like you know I, I made up my mind that I wanted to work in sports at one point And I did it and I accomplished it And then I you know I never quit school You know what I'm saying I never uh, I, I started dating the same girl right after high school And we've been together for almost 20 years We actually just celebrated our Our 8th wedding anniversary Which was our 19th anniversary Of being a couple You know what I mean Um I've I've liked the same team since I was a kid The same athletes Charles Barkley who's going to be mentioned later in the program uh, He was my favorite player When I discovered him when I was 5 years old He's been my favorite player ever since (laughs) I have not wavered on that Anybody that knows me from back in the day Will tell you That I've been riding for Barkley Since like elementary school You know what I mean Um and so, you know, I, I just, I just, all I knew was that I was going to stick with this podcast and with this website. Podcasts weren't even a thing yet. They, they existed, but not everybody had one. And, and definitely there, there was a time where, you know, nobody's like me didn't have podcasts. Only like big conglomerates even had them. And people didn't even really know what to do with them and what they were going to turn into at the time. Uh, incidentally, over the years, I became a little bit uh, of a curmudgeon. When it come to when it came to podcasting, because I felt I was just annoyed by the fact that like all these people from per, first of all anybody thinks they can do this anybody thinks that they can just be a podcast host and I guess I'm I would fall into that camp you know what I'm saying I don't I don't I can't sit here and act like I'm some sort of professional who makes a living off podcasting I don't I have a full time job that's outside of this that pays my bills um, you know if I get enough listeners one day we'll see you know what I mean but as it stands nah it's just, it's just me behind a microphone for the hell of it but 
Uh, everybody thinks they can do it. And so, like, what happens is, is, you know, over time, it was just something that, like, people could do to break into the media in an, in an unconventional or non-traditional way. And that was dope. But what wasn't dope to me was people like Joe Budden, for example, retiring, quote-unquote, from hip-hop and then becoming a full-time podcaster and then blowing up after that. Like, that really annoyed me. I was really being a hater. <laughs> about joe button and others ex-athletes doing the same thing it's like they retire and then the first the first thing they think to do now after they retire is well i'll just start a podcast and uh you know and it's like i've even heard some people i'm not gonna name any names but there's athletes that i love like athletes that i loved when they played ball like some seriously some of my all-time favorite athletes left the game became a podcaster and stunk at it and of course they're going to get all the attention, all the views, all the hits, all the advertising because they are who they are and they've been in the public eye for a long time. People have an, an affinity for that athlete and they say, oh, okay, I want to hear that athlete talk about that sport because I really, I've enjoyed cheering for them for 8, 10, 12, 15 years. But they stink. <laughs> Some of these podcasters are trash, y'all. And I'm just sitting back at my house like, I don't have no fancy studio or nothing like that, but I know I can podcast better than these dudes. Some of these cats cannot podcast the way out of a paper bag, and your boy's got more talent than that. I know that for a fact. I know I can pull off a more interesting podcast with more interesting content, more creative ideas, and all of that stuff. And I know my writing is actually pretty solid, too. So um, these are things that I kind of concluded over time, but I was still a little bit irked by. Nevertheless... I kept doing it and I just kept doing it because it was fun, man. It was just fun for me. And it was just something that I, I really enjoyed doing. It was, it was a way to get my ideas and my thoughts out there. And I'm not a boastful guy by nature. In fact, I'm probably humble to a fault a lot of times, but I know you, some of y'all are hearing this like, what? Like, no, you're not, <laughs> not okay. Not podcasting Jay Hicks. I just, just, I'm talking about Justin Hicks, the man. I'm, I'm a pretty humble guy when I'm not behind the microphone. I try to, I try to crank up the ignorance just a little bit. Uh, when I'm on the mic, but you know, what I mean, generally speaking, though, I, I try not to 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 be like that over the top or whatever. Um, and and I'm not, I'm kind of humble to a fault. But my beautiful wife Ashley, she was the one that convinced me when I was uh, between jobs, like you should just start your website. You could really do it. You could do it. Like it'll be great. And you got all these good ideas. And you are a great communicator. And you can write. And you know. And I'm easy on the eyes, of course. You know what I'm saying? That these are things that she's telling me, right? And so it's just like, okay, well, maybe I could, maybe I could do it. You know. So I started looking into it. And you know, the the goal one day is is for for maybe for me to be doing this full time. And I'm not even. I don't even have a day job. And this becomes my day job. I don't know. Who knows if that day if and when that'll ever come. There's a lot more drastic steps that I could probably take to make that happen that I haven't done yet, in part because I got married and had a bunch of kids. And uh, that will slow the... Uh, the, the, the having, having a family, that dynamic will definitely uh, expand the old safety net, if you will. But, but she believed in me. And, and, I, and I love my wife for that. Thank you, Ashley, for believing in me from day one. And you know, again, I didn't know what I was going to do. All I knew was that I was going to keep doing it. And... You know, this isn't the biggest platform in the world. This isn't the biggest podcast there is. You know, there'll be bigger podcasts and there's better writers and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm proud of myself because I know that I can look back on this with 10 years. And when I think of all the hours and all of the money and all of the time that I've invested into this platform and into my voice in the sports music digital landscape, 
I, I'm I'm just I'm just proud of it, man. I'm I just I I'll put my website up against anybody's, man. I really will. I, I tweet stuff out and I wonder like, man, how come I don't get more followers? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I'm not the best at Twitter. I'm not the, I don't have the funniest Twitter handle or anything like that, but when I look at the opinions that come out of it and I compare it to some other people and some other outlets and some other blue checks that are out there, I'm like, yo, dog, like, again, just blue check doesn't make the man <laughs> on Twitter because I see a lot of trash coming from blue check from blue check marks. And so, I'm, again, I'm just um, I'm just proud of the work that I've done. And I've had a lot of help along the way, which is why we're going to bring in Anthony Houston here in a moment. To, to recap some of the history of the website and, and some of the m- memorable moments that we've had. I'm just proud of the work, man. I'm, I mean, you know, Malcolm Gladwell has that 10,000 hours theory that like you become a master or an expert on a subject or a, a, a something once you've invested 10,000 hours into it. I don't know how that translates to running your own sports and music website. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. But what I do know is I've had a lot of help but I've also done the lion's share of this by myself. And to put forth the amount of energy that I've poured into this platform for 10 years, I mean, you guys don't know what it's like, man, especially when you have other obligations. You know, I do volunteer work. I've worked full time. Of the time that this, in the time that I've had this podcast, I've, I've been volunteering for about six or seven of those 10 years. I've, I've been married for eight of those 10 years. I've been a father for six and a half of those 10 years. Um, and I've worked, I've had a full-time job for pretty much the entire time. And so when you, when you think of everything that goes into it, I mean, the rights, the rewrites, the edits, just the ideas, the story creation, um, the podcast, the recordings, the failed podcast recordings, okay, the equipment, going to the store, research, you know what I'm saying? How do I, what platform do I want to stream this on? Do I do it on GarageBand? Do I do it on, you know, Audacity or whatever? You know, what, 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 what kind of microphone do I want to buy? What kind of mixer do I need? What kind of laptop do I need? Where do I store all my information when I'm done with it? Where do I store my podcast? You know, is, is, is it still functioning the right way? How come my podcast won't do this? How come my website won't do that? Getting a WordPress account, paying for the name, Hip Hop Sports Support, paying for the domain name, like countless hours. I mean, so much money, more than you would think, just for a hobby. And I'm damn, damn, damn proud of this. I'm proud of this damn website, man. I really am. And um, I just got a lot of people to thank, which I'll, I'll do later. But that's just kind of my little uh, prelude to the to the ten year anniversary podcast. I'm just um, I'm just proud of me, and I think that's pretty cool. So we were gonna bring in longtime friend of the podcast and HHSR contributor Anthony Houston. It's sounding like that's not going to happen at the moment due to some family issues and his kids and things like that. So we hope everybody's okay at the Houston house. But that just kind of goes back to my point, (laughs) what I was just talking about a moment ago. Like this stuff is really, really hard when you have a family. It's, It's hard to find time to even do an hour-long podcast when you got kids and you have little kids that want to be up under you all day and they crying and they need diapers and they need orange juice and they need lunchables and everything else like 
it's not easy and so um this is what we were talking about but see if uh we can uh dial up my big bro kenneth hicks jr and see if he can join us first and if there's time we'll get anthony on but if not we'll have to catch him another time and so with that we are back with friend of show friend of sight mr kenneth hicks jr the aforementioned kenneth hicks jr joining the preseason podcast of the year once again how are you today I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm a, on vacation, so I can't complain. Oh, nice, nice. You go back on Monday? Go back on Monday. Yeah, like a sucker. Going back to work like a sucker. No. <laughs> I was just kind of going all over, like how all that goes into to putting together a podcast and all the stuff that's not seen and all the things that um, people aren't aware of and going all the way back to the very beginning. I mean, you've invested in this podcast and in this website yourself. Uh, with your time and your energy and even your money, I believe, back at one point. And um, it's, it's, there's just a lot that goes into it. So it's it's nice to have uh, this platform. And we've made it 10 years, man. 10 years. Do you have an initial reaction? I think that it's just a great uh, accomplishment, honestly. You know, that, that kind of longevity uh, is, is seldom seen in our society. You know, to, you know, at this day and age, you know, making it 10 years and doing anything, you know, marriages don't make it 10 years nowadays. No, they don't. You know, so, you know, to have something, you know, a platform built on on integrity, on, you know, on art, on, uh, you know, on just love of music and love of sports and competition. You know, I think that it was built out of out of passion and a desire to have. Uh, you know, a voice heard in this industry that really wasn't being heard. So I think that it's cool and, uh, you know, just a great testament to, uh, you know, your commitment to delivering those things to the audience. Uh, I think it's a testament to the audience's, uh, you know, value of, of, of these type of things. Cause it shows that, you know, we're not alone. We're not the only ones here that think that it's important to have lyricism. It's not important to have creativity in your music and in your art. It's not important to, you know, uh, you know, to strive for, you know, to, to be the best in your, in your field in, in, you know, sports or otherwise even, you know, cause again, we've touched on a lot of different issues that haven't even, you know, that have, uh, you know, spoken outside of the realm of sports and, and, and music. So I think, like I said, I think it's a wonderful platform. I think that it's been a great 10 years. I'm proud to have been associated with Hip Hop Sports Report. You're going to make me cry, uh, man. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> nah, th- 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 I'm kidding. This, that's enough gushy stuff from you. You know, I mean, like, you're, you're, you're my older brother. So, like, you're not supposed to be the one. You're supposed to trash the podcast. <laughs> that's, what, that's probably what you're supposed to come on here and do. But no. Even- Stuff was going to last six months. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were one of the driving forces behind, you know, convincing me to even start a website. So, um, I mean, the fact that the website's now been been here for ten years, it's 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 kind of shocking to me in a way, but kind of not because I was at the top of the show. I was talking about how I just don't really have a penchant. I don't really quit things very frequently, and I just I've just never really been that way. So, but. I don't know. I, I don't know where to begin, man. I did a lot of research just about the site's history and things of that nature. Um, looked at some some of the some some things that about hip hop sports support by the numbers. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a little bit of that. We've had a uh, total of over 
575 posts on the site in its history. In fact, it's 576 would be the exact total with, with this part, with this podcast going up. Um, now that may not seem like a ton, but again, when you factor in just, you know, all the other things that life has thrown at us and you see now again with Anthony's situation, with the effect of just having a family can, it can kind of throw things out of whack from time to time, but yeah, man, 576 posts, uh, of those 540 were, were mine specifically. And then the other, uh, remaining was a combination of things that either you had written or Anthony had written or, or using a, or using a platform uh, to speak on different things. And so we've had, uh, this being the 112th podcast, uh, in the 10 years. And we have over 71,000 views on hip hop sports support in the 10 years, over hundred, uh, excuse me, over 71,000 total views, a little less than 72,000 all over the world. Um, the most visits we had in a day was, uh, 2,385. That was back in October of 2017 for an article that I had actually written trashing my beloved Cleveland Browns. Can you believe that? (laughs) So, yeah. And then, um, what do you think is the most popular subject? Like of, of any singular like thing, like any, any person or place or team or, rapper or whatever like what of of the last 10 years you think back what do you think is the thing that has garnered the most attention from hhsr well the first thing slash person that comes to mind for me has to be lebron james you know he uh you know he grew up in cleveland and akron a stone's throw away from cleveland where uh you and i are from uh and, um, you know, he played uh, my former high school, your high school at the time when he was a player student at his high school. So right. point being that the proximity made us aware of him, not necessarily earlier than others, but, you know, we were we were definitely aware of something brewing in Akron early on. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, you're right about that. Um so we actually so yeah lebron did play lebron and i are the same age we we did we did uh our our high schools did play one another i wasn't on the team but you know i you know i just you know what i'm saying i would have went to the league but you know i ain't get along with the coach you know what i'm saying so but no nah, but <laughs> just like you everybody knows one of those dudes that says that um but in all seriousness uh we did play lebron's uh St. Vincent St. Mary High School uh, when I was in 11th grade and then uh, 12th grade, that game that uh, of that St. Vincent St. Mary played against Oak Hill Academy at Cleveland State. Um, I actually was at that game uh, live and uh, that, that game was televised on ESPN. So that was his first televised ESPN game was that was that game at Cleveland State. Uh, so I attended that with our dad. And uh, with a gentleman by the name of uh, Mr. Gordon Everett, who um, we sadly lost this year. And so I want to say shout out to uh, Mr. Gordon Everett Sr. He is a, a great family friend and actually made a contribution to the podcast that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But, um, but yeah, the three of us went to that game. And then you and I, do you remember when we went to the McDonald's game that year? Yes. 
Yeah, so that was at in Cleveland because of LeBron being in Akron. They put the McDonald's game in Cleveland. So me and you went to the McDonald's game. It's just me, you, Jay-Z, hanging out, watching LeBron, you know what I mean? Uh, Chris Paul was Reagan. at the game. Yeah, it, true story. Uh, well, somewhat true story. But any, <laughs> at any rate, um, you're actually wrong. LeBron James, from what I – now, the, the, it's, it's kind of weird how, how, how I pulled the, the site statistics, but um, LeBron actually came in second place in terms of, like, the most – most written about entity first place was actually Cleveland. So there you go. That, that makes total sense though. <laughs> Cleveland finished first. LeBron was second. Interestingly to my surprise from what I found number three was Nas, which I did not uh, mm. expect. I didn't expect Nas to be number three. Tom Brady was fourth. The Patriots were fifth. The Cavaliers were sixth. Um, Jay-Z, which again, just, these numbers were not really super exact, so I'll spare you the details. But Jay Z was sixth, or, or excuse me, Jay Z was seventh, followed by Kobe, Drake, Kanye, the Browns, mm-hmm. the Warriors, Kendrick Lamar, Kevin Durant, the Lakers, Michael Jordan, Chris Paul, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. But yeah, Cleveland, LeBron, yeah, they get talked about a lot. We're resident experts on LeBron. We we know all about LeBron. We've seen him play in person. We've seen him play. Um, you know, uh, on TV more than most, we've we've been in physical proximity to him quite a bit, quite you know, on, on several occasions. In in my case, for sure. Um, but yeah, man, we talked about that stuff quite a bit. Um, Absolutely. I, here's what I want to do. I want to actually take a look at um, just the. Uh, this is what I wanted the fi- the podcast to be today. I wanted us to take a walk down memory lane and think about what would what we would classify as maybe the 10 greatest moments in the first 10 years of hip hop sports support. And so that would be anything that really transpired in that decade. So these, these are going to be things that happened to the website, to the podcast. These might be specific articles, moments that happened in sports and music, things that just had a heavy impact or influence on, myself or just shaping the the website like so things of that nature like it's not we're not talking about just the top 10 articles that i've written or the top 10 articles that you've written or the top 10 podcasts that we did like this is taking all that into account plus just the events of the world around us from 2012 to today and um and a lot's changed in that time i mean you had a baby girl in 2012 and she's now 10 years old my lovely, like my lovely niece, and since then, you know, in this time frame, I've gone on to get married myself, and and had uh, four kids, and uh, buy I bought a house, and like all these different things. So life has come at us uh, quite quickly. I think you could say, absolutely, absolutely. yeah, man, yeah. But I want to take a minute, and again, well, I think we're going to start with some honorable mentions. And then we'll, we'll, we'll crack the top 10 in a little bit. Um, but you'll get a vibe for kind of what I'm thinking that we should do. And I just want to kind of get your reaction as we go. And then just, you know, if you hear anything, jump in, you know what I mean? Let me know what you're thinking. But um, some honorable mentions as far as hip hop sports sports. So the first, the first thing that comes to mind for me is just the first week of HHSR. So that was when I um, started the website and uh, I, I had my, my plan was to have an article every day. So I had an article each day for the first five days of the website. The very first post was on August 13th, 2012. And it was about the 
Summer Olympics and how hip hop was had infiltrated hip hop culture had infiltrated the Summer Olympics in London. Um, and then there was four other articles. I think I wrote one about Chad Ocho Cinco at the time. I think I wrote one about Two Chains, and there was like two others that I don't, I don't even remember what they were. But uh, it's kind of like a where in the world were you in 2012? You literally may have been on the other side of the planet in 2012, right? In August, I was, yes. Yes, yeah. in August, I was on the other side. I was literally on the other side of the planet. Yeah, so, you're, so, so you live in Southern California now. You're currently recording from Vegas, but you were living in Afghanistan at the time that this website started. Absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely working overseas as a government contractor and, uh, you know, uh, living on a NATO base and all those type of things. And I had, you know, my, my good friends with me and it was a different, very different life than I live now. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't a hitman or anything like that, just to put that out there. Like, no, 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 absolutely not. I'm yeah. a man of <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, oh, I was a government contractor working in Afghanistan. It's like, oh, what was that guy up to? Like, sounds like you could have been doing anything, but no. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. And, and you were actually a big influence early because it was through you that I remember you kept talking to me saying that you had this quote-unquote podcasting equipment. That's what you kept referring to it as. Like, yeah, I have this podcasting equipment. And I remember thinking, like, what the hell is a podcast? And what, in, what on earth is podcasting equipment? Like, I don't know what this is. Um, and then eventually you, you shipped it to me. You shipped me my first microphone and, and set up, and it was off from there. And so um, a podcast which soon be born shortly thereafter, about a year and a half after the launch of the website itself. So the podcast is about eight years old. But, um, but, the, but yeah, about 10 years for the for the site. And then, um, so the other things that, that kind of stand out to me, again, these are honorable mentions of, of moments, uh, some good, some bad, some whatever. Uh, so recently I just recorded uh, a podcast about Deshaun Watson. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's always kind of a, a big deal when you kind of take a stance on something. And, you know, I took a stance on Deshaun Watson and I kind of stand by it to this day, which is, you know, I don't think he was a saint in his whole situation. I don't think that everything, I don't think that he's um, uh, an angel and all this, but I do feel that I don't think he's quite the deviant that people have painted him out to be. And moreover, I feel like he's been a victim of, uh, of racism at the hands of the Houston Texans, if not them and the NFL, and that there's, there's a, a greater scheme at hand here that was interested in seeing that young man fall. Um, it reminded me a little bit of what I had written about Colin Kaepernick at the time when that whole situation went down. Uh, the Kaepernick piece being basically just me saying like, look, man, uh, that guy has to know that when he did what he did for, in terms of taking that knee and, and then not choosing not to resign with the 49ers and going into free agency, he had to know that he was never going to play in the NFL again. I knew that. From the couch. I was on the couch like, yeah, that dude ain't playing no more. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And and right. and, and people, you know, black people, God bless them, God love them. They, they kind of took the whole cat can't get a job thing and ran with it as if that's what this was all about. And that was never the point of any of this. You know what I mean? But he had to know that he was going to be choosing to give up his livelihood for the foreseeable future, if not forever, based on the choices that he made 
And that's what happened. I mean, but it was it was not hard to figure out in the moment. And so that was kind of my point was like, I support him. I agree with him, you know, and I like him. And he should he, he's talented enough to have a job, but he's not going to have one because this is this is what martyrs do. They, they take a stance and they they're willing to die behind it. And his his and he put his NFL career on the line and we see how that turned out. Um, Absolutely. One thing I thought we did that was cool was we we saluted 1996 in hip hop. You remember that? Yes. Yes. And and we all we all kind of so that was like a three part series. Like one part was I had written a piece about hip hop in '96. This is on the twenty the twenty twenty five year. I guess it was the the twenty year anniversary. Maybe this is 2016. So it was the twenty year anniversary of 1996, which is kind of held up by many as the gold standard in hip hop music. Um, and you had some, some wonderful contributions to that, including uh, being on the podcast, talking about your old man rap. And, um, <laughs> and we all, we all kind of you, myself and Anthony, we all kind of put together a playlist on YouTube of the best songs from 96. And then we kind of compare it and kind of try to figure out who had the best playlist, which of course I did. And, Wait, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was cool though. It was. I thought it was creative. I thought like, I was like, this is a creative thing that we did. And we had um, Vince Hicks, friend of the podcast. Uh, our cousin Vince was on the. My cousin Vinny, as I refer to him affectionately, was on the podcast. He talked a little bit about hip hop in '96 and took us back down because he's a little older than than you and I, and so he was able to provide like even a different perspective, uh, being that he was he was an adult in 1996, and um, you know just kind of what he was into, what he was listening to, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then one of my favorite podcasts that you and I did was uh, when we talked about the greatest lie ever told in sports and music. You remember that one? The greatest lie. Yes, I do remember that one. Walk, walk us through the premise of that, if you recall it. Oh, my goodness. No. You, oh, man. You're going to put me on the spot. Um, the greatest lie. I have to so, so, Okay. So, so, so let me help you out. So okay. the, the, the premise was essentially that, um, you know, we've all been fed a a, a bucket of lies <laughs> by media by social media yeah, by yes, yes. whomever you know what i mean like we've all been mm-hmm. spoon-fed lies upon lies in yeah, the history of you know these these passions that we follow or whatever right and it's like what what's the what's the greatest myth of all of, of them all like what's the thing that we hear the most frequently but is actually when you dive into it it's actually not true at all and so um, we both came up with our list of lies <laughs> and, and shared them with the public. And I thought that was a really cool one. I'm, I'm gonna, I kind of think I'm going to dust that one off and, and bring it back. Yeah, no, that's a, you know, and the thing is, there's so much more lies these days. Oh, my God, yes. The lying is just <laughs> phenomenal. It's just, mwah, it's just, the lying is just magnificent these days. And so, um, yeah, man, you know why? You know why? It's because of goofballs like me who get on a microphone and, and think they have their own platform. And so they think that they, everything that they say is the gospel and everybody gets on the mic and everybody thinks they're an expert and, and you know, that they, they're not, they're idiots. Most, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of dummies of podcasts out there. There's a lot of dopes with Twitter accounts and everything else. And so, um, yeah, this, but they propagate this, this nonsense. And then, you know, so at any rate, that was a fun one. Like I said, I may, I may have to revive the greatest lie ever told podcast. That was the one where I concluded uh, our podcast with the statement that Michael Jordan was not the greatest basketball player of all time. That was the greatest lie ever told in, in basketball. And my 
purpose was saying that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly Lou Alcindor, was actually the greatest basketball player of all time. And from a pure accomplishment standpoint, I mean, it's not close. I mean, it's like Kareem is head and shoulders above Michael Jordan and and above just about anybody else except probably Bill Russell. So um, that was a good one. Uh, I remember... uh, so a couple other ones. Uh, I wrote a piece about, speaking of Jordan, I wrote a piece about Michael Jordan blowing that series against the Orlando Magic in 1995. Yes. Uh, and so this is right in line with that, right? Like, it, but I thought that it was cool how it was broken down. Go back and check out anything that I reference. I encourage you guys to go back and check out, man. But the, the piece is basically, you know, I'm, I'm like talking about that time that Michael Jordan in the mid-90s lost in the playoffs like because he did and everybody always likes to say six for six and, and throw that around like it's just this greatest thing ever and yeah six for six is cool but my main thing is like don't let jordan being six for six in the finals be the reason why you feel that he's the goat like if you think he's the goat because he has six titles i'm all good with that if you think he's the goat because he went six and oh in the finals i think that that's silly because it's flawed reasoning because if he were better, then why didn't he make it to more than six finals? When there's guys right. like Magic who went to nine finals and Kobe, I think, went to nine finals and or something or eight, something like that. And uh, LeBron went to ten finals and Russell won eleven championships. You know, like like there are guys who went to more the finals more times than Jordan did. So, are we really going to sit here and praise Michael Jordan because he lost? earlier in the playoffs more frequently than other people that's idiotic so um and then what i did was i went into that i dove into that game six between the bulls and the orlando magic and that was a home game for chicago and michael jordan uh stunk in the final minutes of that game and the bulls lost and that was the end of the series <laughs> now they responded by winning the next three championships in a row so i'm not here to <laughs> <laughs> i think we can agree that michael jordan's pretty good at basketball right but i'm just saying like let's like it's okay that he we can acknowledge the fact that he lost like that that actually happened he lost he was terrible down the stretch and I literally in that article go minute by minute like following Jordan's production in the fourth quarter of that deciding game and I explain why he came up short and that's okay you know what I mean because again he he's he's done quite well for himself and then uh, another one was uh, the we got a couple of retweets uh, from some prominent figures uh, at least to me. Uh, one was uh, Jay Crawford, the uh, former ESPN anchor, Sports Center anchor, Bowling Green State University graduate. Uh, shout out to the Falcons, my Falcons. Jay Crawford had retweeted an article about about me trashing the Browns <laughs> <laughs> because because I mean why not right? Um, and so he retweeted that, and that actually was what led to that that single day record for for views for the website was through Jay Crawford's retweet. So thank you, Jay Crawford. Um, another time was um, fabulous. Loso, he retweeted an article that I had written about him. Yes. That got us a lot of buzz and, and we did some numbers that day as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, so, and, and to this day, I, since then I referred to fab as my close personal friend, fabulous, you know, anybody who's ever <laughs> been affiliated with the website, they're, they're my close personal friend at that point. Is there anything, are there any of these that stick out in your head or any, any of the things that I've mentioned thus far that really stands out to you? 
Oh man, absolutely. Um, you know, those, all those were, you know, definitely great moments. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm afraid to jump around too much because I don't want to jump into things that necessarily you were maybe going to get to. Um, but you know, I guess the, in those moments, uh, you know, I thought those were great. I love the interview with, uh, with master ace. Um, I love that my personal favorite, uh, podcast episode was the one that was done on the Grammys. Um, you know, because you had um, a gentleman that was on that was a, uh, he was a, one of the uh, judges. I don't know. He, he, he was, he was on the, he was a voter. On the board. He was a voter. He was, he was a voting member. He had a Grammy the, vote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had His a name Grammy was Fahrenheit vote. actually. Yes. Yeah, so shout out to Fahrenheit, man. I yes. thought that was a super insightful er- episode because it was right after Kendrick Lamar had lost in the Grammys to Macklemore. Yes. And, you know, we as a collective hip hop community, we're trying to make sense of it all. We and still are. He, we are to this day because we haven't seen Macklemore since. Um, but, yeah. you know, we, we took that opportunity to uh, bring him onto the show, bring Fahrenheit onto the show. And he was able to kind of just give us some insight, man. And I didn't know so much about that. So he was really kind of just dropping gems on the process and, and why you know, some of these people that win at the Grammys, you may not necessarily have, you know, they may not register the same in the streets as they do at the Grammys, you know? And why is that? So I thought that was just a wonderful episode. And that was my favorite podcast of all time. Yeah, that was an early one too. That was in the early days of the podcast. The audio was a little shaky. Um, The audio was shaky for a lot of these podcasts. So I appreciate you guys for sticking with your boy as we work to get that sorted. And we're still working because we still have some, episodes that are worse than others <laughs> but yeah man that was a good one um and that was definitely a moment when when kendrick lamar lost the best rap album grammy to to macklemore you're right that macklemore that kind of like any whatever little bit of legitimacy macklemore had with the streets and with like black hip-hop fans that went out the window when he got that award from kendrick it was so bad that he apologized to kendrick like the the next night on Twitter, or maybe it was even the the day of, and it's like, yeah, I know I didn't deserve this, but uh, and like, and yeah, you're right. Like Fahrenheit did a wonderful job of kind of explaining all of the flaws in the Grammy voting process, and so it. I encourage people to go back and listen to that. It was um, very enlightening, and it is. It's a pretty pretty bad process by which they go about voting on stuff, and the way he described it, it's really easy to see why whomever the hot person is at the moment, like they are going to be the one that's most likely to be um, recognized. Say what you will about Cardi B or whatever. And who, you know, and Cardi B, yeah, her music's not terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much of it she actually writes, but <laughs> my guess is not that much, but her music isn't terrible, but say what you will about her. But like when she's on and she's comes, she breaks out and she's that breakout star in rap music, she's going to like win all these Grammys. And that's just kind of how the system is set up. So yeah, if you guys want to hear all the details of that one, please go back and check that out. You mentioned master ACE. We're definitely going to get back to him in a little bit. Uh, on a somber note, um, you know, we lost some legends in the time frame that we had this podcast. We lost a lot of legends. In fact, I, I said I had some some words on a podcast this year, I believe it was. Um, I think it was this year, but I just I just, you know, was telling people like, look, man, 
we need to we, we really need to like understand that the the the, the crime that's in the, in the gun violence has infiltrated hip-hop I mean, it's been, it's been there for a long time, but like, it still hasn't gotten any better. In fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. And we're still seeing MCs getting slain, even as recently as like last week, we saw another young rapper get murdered. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. But beyond just that, we, we saw uh, the death of, of Kobe Bryant in, in the time of this, art, uh, of this website's existence. I had a very much a love-hate relationship with Kobe Bryant. Um, uh, just as a fan and a observer observer of basketball, um, I was never, his game never spoke to me. So I would never classify myself as a fan of Kobe. But I had the utmost respect for Kobe. And I wrote a piece um, before he died, actually. Uh, it was actually upon his retirement that I had written this piece that talked about all of the wonderful reasons why I loved Kobe and hated him at the same time. Sports hate, of course. Because um, there was just so much to choose from over the 20 year career that he had. And it was just very difficult, you know, to see a, a young father like that, who was kind of coming into the prime of his life, go in such a tragic way with one of his kids, no less. And, uh, and so that was just um, awful to see. I'm, it was a Sunday shortly after my birthday when it happened, I remember still, and it was, you know, you get those phone calls and you remember where you are kind of, kind of thing. Um, but uh, we also lost Muhammad Ali in the lifespan of this podcast. And I want to use that as the, the jumping off point into the top 10 most memorable moments in the history of Hip Hop Sports Report. Because our friend, friend of the show, Scheme, Ponzi Scheme, laced yeah. us, laced us with an absolutely beautiful uh theme song introduction song you know you hear it at the top of the show um you hear odb you hear muhammad ali and you hear scheme you know what i mean and that and um so shout out to scheme and shout out to uh our friend sasha as well the two of them helped us considerably legitimize this website <laughs> i got the That's name sports support from from my wife actually but um and then she helped pull the logo together she didn't create the logo but she helped uh help get the logo created um but in terms of like the look of the website the website used to look a lot different and we relaunched it i believe it was june 1st of 2015 if i remember correctly is when we relaunched the new look of the site um uh so sasha helped with that and then scheme gave us the theme song for the podcast because up until that point i had just been like like I'm not, I don't want to uh, implicate myself too much, but let's just say that there were um, uh, different ways that I could have approached uh, use the use of music on the podcast. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Let's just put it that way. Up until that point, and then Scheme made us like a, a look like a legitimate operation here when he when he blessed us with uh, with that with that record. Uh, you know, I call it No Net. I, it, and I don't know if I ever had an official name, and he still might end up using it at some point for an actual song, but. Shout out Scheme. Thank you so much for, for, for making this uh for making that song because you know I felt like it it spoke to me. Like you never know what you're gonna get in that situation and then you 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 entrust somebody to create something and you know uh I compensated him for for his his genius and the studio time and all that stuff. And so it's just like all right, let's see what 
see what I got my money's worth. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll see if, if it works out, you know? And the first time I played it, I fell in love with it from the first time I heard it. And I was like, damn, this is a great record. Like, I was like, <laughs> I, I got to record 50 podcasts now, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so that was, that was great. And uh, in that song, there's, there's, there's Muhammad Ali talking about, you know, he's a poet, a prophet, and, and that's, that's when I typically uh, come in. And I know it's a, it's a lengthy intro, so I, I appreciate y'all sticking with me. Y'all can always fast forward through that if you need to, but, you know, I would prefer that you don't, because I always get hyped listening to that. And especially when the guy's interviewing Ali and he says he's a poet, a prophet, and then you hear your boy come on being oh so prophetic behind this microphone here. So that's, that is what was great. And then also, uh, there was a shout out to, to um, Anthony Houston, not Anthony Houston uh, from Hip Hop Sports Support fame, but Anthony Houston, uh, who used to cut all of our hair back in the day in Cleveland. Um, yes. He is now um, uh, resting with the with the legends, uh, no pun intended, um, you know, uh, up in heaven. And so we, we miss Anthony tone we will be called and we or pops we miss pops to this day but pops Listen, got a shout pops out pops the legend exactly pops got a shout out in the song so we still remember pops pops came to my wedding man and i mean i don't know he was he was a friend man he was more than a barber he was a friend and so we still miss him too um but yeah that was number 10 actually getting getting legit with with the website relaunch and the and the and the song man you know uh it sounds like you like the song too it sounds like you, you haven't grown tired of it just yet Oh no, I love this song. I, I still play it. You know, when it comes on at the, at the start of the show, I love it. I play it at the end. It, you know, it, it, I, the song makes me happy every time I hear it. So yeah, just getting legit, man. It, it meant a lot. Uh, it, it, it still means a lot, and I feel like um, <laughs> we're still getting legit. <laughs> I don't know if we're all the way there yet, but that's why I affectionately refer to this as the preseason podcast of the year. It's uh, it, it, we're like the little engine that could, you know. This is this is a plucky upstart podcast and website and we're still trying to figure some things out even after 10 years but you know we just keep at it we just keep we keep it pushing you know what i'm saying um absolutely yeah so so shout out to scheme for that and and again with the ali reference in there you know what i mean it's just it's just it's just a work of art man uh so that was the 10th the number 10 the 10th most memorable moment in the history of this website number nine clocking in at number nine your friend, my friend, Jadakiss, and the versus battle that was. I don't even know where to begin. Um, it, what Jada did in the garden last summer was the stuff of legend. And we all kind of got to relive it again just a, a few, about a week or two ago, because it was the one year anniversary of it. But what he did to Dipset, and I love Dipset. Dipset was right in my wheelhouse. That was my era. You know, they're not the greatest lyricists of all time, but I don't care. I love Cam. It was more. It was more than about lyrics. It was about style or swag or whatever and culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many people contributed more to the culture of hip hop than Cameron and the Dips? You know what I mean? So it was more than about lyricism. But walk me through what your opinion was on Jada and his performance in the garden last summer. For me, it was a, a special moment because of the fact that, you know, it it reignited a feeling in me for hip hop that I had not, I, I had thought that feeling had died. You know, I had gotten so accustomed to, you know, placated to with just 
you know, mediocre rap music and meet, you know, watered down rap battles and and you know the the elements of hip hop had been so far removed from you know the the art of it that you know I, I didn't really feel I hadn't felt excited in that way about the music in a, quite some time. Um, and you know the thing is I had been kind of loosely watching the versus battles, uh, you know, uh, you know all, all along. So you know I wasn't up on it on a weekly basis like others were but when there were you know noteworthy battles i was i was popping in and checking out little bits and pieces here and there so i knew what it was about i knew the platform ray obviously j. but <laughs> yes i was checking for ray j um <laughs> uh, I mean, but, he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh you know but I, I you know i was sitting there and i was like okay well let me you know the, it was, the funny thing was the day of the battle it wasn't even something that was on my radar to watch you know, it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get home from work so I can check this out. It was like, I got home, I cooked dinner, it just happened to be on, some people were talking about it. I said, hey, let me just check this thing out, you know? And, you know, immediately I got kind of taken back to a whole nother era, a whole nother time, you know? And, you know, I was in, like you said, I, I love the diplomats. And, you know, I remember, you know, going to Harlem, you know, during that era and, you know, just, you know, and, you know, I remember seeing, I remember being out in the middle of winter and seeing about, you know, 10 dudes standing out on the corner bumping Joel Santana. And I didn't know what Joel was talking about at the time, but I knew that those guys did and they would die for it. And I was like, man, <laughs> <laughs> these guys are making some powerful music, you know? And it's a you know, movement. Like a it really was. It literally was a movement. And, you know, a lot of people say that type of stuff to be facetious, but those guys really lived it. And, you know, so to watch them in the battle, I was so excited. And then Jada happened. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they supposed to go on tour together? They were. They and then were. the tour I... just, like, died after that, right? Yeah, they, they, they hugged it out on stage because they wanted everybody to know there were no hard feelings, there was no love lost. And then these guys were professionals and then they were businessmen and they could go out and make good music and make some, you know, go tour together. And I think that, you know, I think that the feelings were a little raw after that, you know, and maybe, maybe they will go out on tour at some point in time, but I think it was a little too soon for them. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I don't know how you, I mean, like, here's the thing, like, I think everybody went into that knowing that from a pure lyrical standpoint, like di the diplomats can't match up to the locks. Like they just cannot do that. But that's not always what matters. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's style over substance and sometimes the, the style can outweigh the substance in, in terms of pure showmanship. And showmanship is something that the dips have in spades. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. for these grimy Yonkers cats to come through, and for Jada to just command the stage, that was a TED talk on hip hop. There were few people that have ever commanded a spotlight like that. He's still outside. I'm outside. Like he's the man is still outside to this day. And I believe that because he, he just he just made you believe. He just made you believe, man. And to your point, like about the music and where the music is gone, um, you know, it's it's just real easy. <laughs> To kind of get lost and, and forget about 
what being an MC is really about. And he just reminded everybody that day what being an MC is truly all about. And if you don't know anything about hip hop, like if you want to get to the essence of hip hop at its core, if you don't understand hip hop culture or hip hop music, go watch the versus battle and watch everything that Jadakiss does and you will see what it's about. And like, I, I've always, nobody's ever come up to me and asked me like really what the essence of hip hop is. But if they ever did, I would tell them, go watch some, um, go watch some battles, go watch some battle rap online. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. street mixed with poetry, mixed with showmanship, and it's 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 a beautiful art form and it's totally unique, and no other genre of music could do it, you know, for better or for worse, you know. I mean, because we we see what's you know what can come out of it is some really ugly stuff sometimes, but when it's right, man, is it right? And and that mm. wasn't a battle in the traditional sense. This is what grew out of the 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 coronavirus. Uh, pandemic these versus battles came out of that and so that this was a silver lining that came out of it but everything that jada did that night was on point and and his his jersey went up in the rafters that night and he was already a hall of fame rapper but like from like a pop culture standpoint he became like a pop culture icon at that at that moment because people who probably didn't know about hip-hop and didn't know about the locks of jada kiss learned that day and we've been fans of him for over 20 years but this was like leveling up you know what i mean like imagining imagine having having your greatest moment as an artist and as a performer 25 30 years into your career like that's pretty special yeah it was definitely his, his crowning moment he deserved it the magnum opus it. it was and you know and they deserve their flowers you know they definitely have been you know true to the essence of hip-hop you know since the beginning you know even when they're in the shiny suits they said we don't want the shiny suits you know they really didn't no they really didn't and they made real songs of big no made up shits you know know what i'm saying like these guys man uh, how do you not love them man how do you not love the lox um that was god that was a great versus battle and and you know and he he even had a battle jada had he had the edge of having been in the verses before with close personal friend fabulous he had already been there you know what i'm saying and so he he knew what he was getting himself into and man he he owned that moment um so that was number nine the number nine moment number eight the mark draft yeah i can't tell you how many variations of the mark draft i've seen in the years since we started the mark draft uh and so for those of you who don't know our cousin mark hicks loves the nfl and nba draft we bring him in every year and god bless mark if you're listening you are one of the major contributors to this website. So thank you for being you and thank you for contributing your expertise um, on the draft process because uh, that is something that, that always spoke to him. He always liked to do for fun. And I, and I came up with this idea. I'm like, yo, man, what if we just have you come on and talk about what all these teams should do with their picks instead of, because if you haven't heard it, for, I've explained it a thousand times, but the mark draft, essentially, the idea is Everybody has the mock drafts, right? And, and the mock drafts have a lot more power than what they should because they actually do, I think, feed the decision-making of a lot of front offices. I really believe that. And, you know, w- when one mock, you know, one person puts something in one mock and then another mock is based off of that mock and it just kind of grows from there. And then all of a sudden a player becomes pigeonholed in a range in the draft. And then if you want to take that player sooner than that, 
then people think your franchise is dumb because it's like, oh, why'd you wait? Why'd you take him there? You could have had him there. You know what I mean? And so the mock drafts are all BS and they have way too much power. And people and people are just making it up. They're like literally just thinking up stuff that could sound good or, you know, uh, if if it seems conceivable. So like, let's throw it out there. And a lot of outlets do multiple mock drafts like over and over and over again. So it's just, they're just pandering for clicks. Like they'll just switch stuff up just for the sake of saying that it's different. Here's mock draft 2.5.7. You know what I mean? (laughs) With more trades in round three. It's like, nobody cares. None of this stuff is accurate. We came up with a different system. So we have Mark tell us what all these teams ought to do with their picks. And, uh, and we even had one episode where Mark actually went to the NFL draft when they had it in Chicago. Mark attended as a fan, went to the draft there, told us about what the experience is like being at the draft in person and everything. So that was a really cool experience. Um, do, you have a, do you have any thoughts on a Mark draft or a favorite Mark draft memory, Kenneth? Uh, well, you know, the thing is, I've always been a big fan of the Mark draft. I've always uh, been very vocal about and adamant in letting you know and Mark know that uh, it's my favorite uh segment of the year big you know both of them because of the fact that you know like you said it was a very you know especially when it started it was a very original take <laughs> you know now exactly now uh, you know to your point uh you know a lot of other platforms have uh you know started their own iterations of it you know and not giving proper credit that you know that's neither here nor there but you know it just lets you know that you know we were on to you know onto something here uh, you know, and, you know, we've been doing it the longest. I think we've been doing it the best. Damn straight. Um, Every Tom, and Dick, and Harry thinks they can pull off a Mark draft. You know, they don't have exactly. Mark Hicks. That's what exactly. they don't have. How are you going to have a Mark draft and no Marks? Exactly. You know, that's... <laughs> oh, there, oh, there are Marks. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's definitely Marks oh, there. There's not, a, there's there's not Mark Hicks. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah I done heard some marks on some podcasts before. I'm taking shots at all the other podcasts in the world right now. I've I've already been been at it tonight. You know what I mean? Are no, we letting I'm, the hands go? Is that I'm is letting that the hands go just a little ten? bit. I'm, I want the smoke. You know what I'm saying? These other podcasters out here, man, they don't they don't want that smoke. Um, you know what I'm saying? But our content is good. That's the point, man. I, we have a very uh, loyal following, but it could be bigger. And our, our, our content is legit. And the Mark Draft, to your point, let me know and let us know that we're doing some stuff right because we've seen it other places since we created it. You're no stranger to this. You've had a million ideas stolen from you over the years. So, you know. I have. I'm just proud to have I'm, – I'm proud that I have one, one good one. Number <laughs> seven. Uh, so – and as we go, because in the interest of time, you know, I'm, I'm going to be packaging multiple things together here. So number seven, uh, this is the Kendrick section of the list. Kendrick Lamar, his rise to fame really coincides with the rise to fame of hip-hop sports support. And so <laughs> what we saw was Kendrick release Good Kid, Mad City in 2012. And then I believe it was in 2013 that he, or 14 that he dropped the control verse. And... Um, pretty much just like embarrassed Big Sean on his own record and kind of made Jay Electronica go back into hiding for another eight years. Uh, <laughs> Jay Elect just came out uh, a couple of years ago. But that that whole thing, th- that was a moment. Kendrick had a moment when he, you know, pretty much the first, I mean, even if you, th- you could even throw in 
to Pimp a Butterfly because some people will tell you that that was his best work. I wouldn't quite agree with that, but Good Kid, Mad City. When I think of the best rap albums that have come out in the past 10 years, to me, it's a two-album race. The two albums that come to mind for me is Jay-Z's 444 and Kendrick's Good Kid, Mad City. And Kendrick plus, you know, the, the control verse, he, he deserved a nod for, again, creating another moment in hip-hop. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the rise of Kendrick Lamar, I think, was something that was much needed in hip-hop, you know, and I think that, you know, it was, we were kind of at a time where, you know, things were kind of at a, a standstill, you know, and it was like, okay, well, we have, we have great personalities, you know, and we have stars, but we didn't have, you know, we didn't have musical icons, you know, like, you know, like there's a lot of people I could name that I think are great at certain things and certain elements of the game. And it's like, oh, hey, that person has great viral moments or that person has great, you know, had a great album even, you know, or that person that had was killing it with features, you know. But, you know, when, when Kendrick kind of came along, it was everything. He was killing the features. He was, you know, he was, uh, you know, getting all the, the right looks from the right producers, you know. And it was like all the doors were opening at the, at the right time. You know, uh, uh, I remember uh, he did some kind of performance and they kind of crowned him as like the new king of the West Coast. And Snoop Dogg was there and Game yep. was there. Ice Cube was there. Ice Cube was there. And they, and they opened their arms and welcomed him into the brotherhood, man. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was great for, I think, the, the music, for the culture to see, you know. And it was one of those things where like, we said, OK, this is somebody here who actually really has something to say. You know, it's not just a matter of just, you know, I'm, I'm a hustler trying to, you know, I'm a hustler that knows how to rap. You know, that was, you know, I think as much as I love Jay, I think that that, you know, that mantra has done a lot of damage to the culture, you know, because there was a lot of people. There was a lot of people that, you know, were so passionate about the hustler element that they forgot the music and the artistry element, you know, and. And I get it, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's good to make money. It's good to support your loved ones and feed your family and pull yourself out, 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 the, out the gutter and all those type of things, man. I, I understand it and love it. And especially people who are able to do these type of things in ways that don't involve violence or, or any nefarious activities. I support that 100%. At the same time, you know, you know, we do celebrate that, you know, I think, and many times at the expense of the artistry. Hmm. Yeah, I can't say you're wrong about that. And I mean, because we've, we've seen enough. <laughs> we've seen enough right. bad rappers, you know, who claim to be XD boys and everything else. And, you know, of course, everybody, everybody was Sosa. You know what I'm saying? And it's, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like, okay, <laughs> were you but though? Kendrick was, but Kendrick was the antithesis of that. You right, know? right. He, he, he came with, with rhymes. He came with, with thought-provoking, you know, conversation. And all yeah. of his performances were unbelievable, especially like his award show performances. Yeah. Fire. Videos, fire. All that stuff. Like you said, features, freestyles on BT Awards and fire. Like all of it. Like he embodied it all. And and you know, he he even though I think he robbed Jay of the of the Grammy for best album of the year, rap album of the year, when he had he released Damn the same year that Jay put out 444. I, I hold 444 in such high regard because that was an album that 
had that grown men that I know cried listening to that album because of the vulnerability that Jay expressed and how relatable it was for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we had never seen from him before. And, uh, and that was meant more to me than what Kendrick put together on Damn, which was just another great rap album. But to your point, though, Kendrick, like you said, embodies everything that's good about hip hop without the unpleasant aftertaste. And I think that's just the best way to kind of look at him. And so, you know, we give him a nod for, for being one of the best artists. And I think it's worth noting that as great as Drake is and as important as he is, and you can't, you can't have a conversation about the history of hip hop without talking a, a, a significant portion about Drake. Drake doesn't have a moment like this. Drake doesn't have an album like Good Kid, Mad City. Drake doesn't have uh, uh, anything like the control verse. I mean, he's got the back-to-back thing with Meek Mills is up there, but I don't think he has anything quite like the control verse, the way that it just resonated with the streets and, and just kind of conquered everything for a moment. I mean, and I'm, it's not really a shot at Drake as much as it is just a recognition and appreciation of what Kendrick is. Um, the guy's phenomenal. And um, his, his latest work is very good as well. I don't think it's the best of his work, but very good as well. Number six on our list, uh, we talked about uh, Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary High School already. Drew Joyce II, LeBron's high school coach, blessed the podcast with his presence uh, some time ago. And so we very much appreciate that. Coach Drew came on. Again, uh, he actually went to college with our father. Uh, which a lot of many, a lot of folks probably don't know. Uh, and it was through Gordon Everett Sr., who we talked about before, uh, God rest his soul, that he kind of um, connected us. Uh, it was through him that we, we went to that basketball game. It was because of Drew Joyce that we went to that game where we saw LeBron take on Oak Hill. At least I, you weren't there, but I was. Um, and, and, uh, and it was through a later relationship. You know, I was able to connect with uh, uh, Coach Drew later on down the road um and then and then asked him to come on the podcast and and he graciously accepted and and gave me an hour of his time a great podcast i encourage y'all to go back and check it out one of my favorite moments of that podcast was just you know we first of all we didn't make it all about lebron i told him ahead of time like this is not going to be all about lebron he was like thank you (laughs) you know because he also has a son that's a professional basketball player which many people may not know uh but drew joyce the third who was on that St. Vincent St. Mary's team with LeBron went overseas and, and played ball, I believe in Germany for, for many years. And so uh, we talked about the father son element, you know, what's it like coaching your son and that kind of stuff. And then of course we got into the LeBron thing. And this was in 2015, right when LeBron, I think had come back to Cleveland. Um, Steph Curry was killing it. He was on his way to winning his first MVP. But I asked coach, I'm like, is there any planet in which Steph Curry is actually the best player on the world in the world? And he gave me, an emphatic no. And I love that. And, and you could tell that it wasn't, it wasn't just his personal relationship with LeBron that made him say that. It was like, it was like a verbal, like, are you kidding me? Like, are, are you out of your mind? And which I don't, for the record, I never, there was not one moment that I ever believed Curry was a better player than LeBron James. But people really entertained that for quite some time. And so as great as Steph is, he's not, he's not, on the anywhere near the same planet as LeBron James as an overall basketball talent. And shout out to coach Drew Joyce for making that known on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it was, I thought that was another, like I said, that was another great moment. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, having coach on the show, you know, sharing his wisdom, you know, you know, giving some anecdotes, you know, I thought that that was just, like I said, it was a great opportunity 
um, I thought that you did a great job of laying down just the, the, the groundwork for what the conversation was going to be about. Because again, like you said, the conversation was not just about LeBron. It, you know, it was about him, his, you know, his career in coaching, you know, like you said, the relationship with his son, you know, and happen and his, you know, happening to coach the greatest athlete of all time, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it was, it was just, like I said, it was a great conversation. And, um, you know, I, I really thought that, uh, it was just a great opportunity to, you know, he had, a, he was promoting, I believe his book at the time. And, um, like I said, it was just a great opportunity to, to get some insight from somebody who really has, knows what it's like to, to coach at, you know, at a high level and to coach, you know, again, one of the greatest athletes of our generation. It was a great get for hip hop sports support. And, and the, the booking of the guests is another element. I talked earlier about all that goes into creating the podcast and the website, what makes it possible. Booking guests is another part behind the scenes that people don't really know about, but take some time and energy and stuff like that. Shout out to Roy Hall, another friend of show. Um, Roy, who, for those people who don't know Roy, he, he actually went to high school with both of us, um, but uh, he was closer to my age. Roy actually played at Ohio State uh, receiver, played professionally in the NFL, um, had his career cut short due to injury, but he blessed us with a, a lot of time when he came on the podcast at one point. And it was a fantastic podcast. Another one of my all-time favorite podcasts because Roy and I were cool in high school, but we definitely weren't friends. And I had no idea how articulate he was. And he was just so intelligent. And I'm just like, this dude is off the chain. And it was after that that I, I saw that he had already been uh, had a, a public speaking uh, background and like, you know, he had already been doing some public speaking work and, and some uh, kind of like life coach type stuff. Um, but it, it seemed to really take off. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to credit my podcast for it, but it did kind of like, it seemed like his, his work in that space kind of took off after the podcast and he ended up getting his own podcast for a time. So, um, so, and I was like, man, this dude is on point. So shout out to Roy as well, man. But yeah, getting these guests in here, man, it, it's, it's nice when we're able to do it and hopefully we'll be able to do it again in the future. Um, number five on our list of, uh, 10 greatest moments in history to cite. I, this was uh, something that I was planning on talking with Anthony about, but, um, the orange and blueprint podcast was, uh, one of the passion projects within the passion project. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, the, the hip hop sports board is a passion project for me, but within that we had, uh, Anthony's orange and blueprint podcast, which he, he did faithfully for a, a couple of seasons, I think. And, um, talked exclusively and extensively about the Knicks and it was great. Uh, you know, I'm not a Knicks fan, but you know, I let him have that platform through this website and he's such a great contributor to, to our success that we've had here. And so uh, I recognize the orange and blueprint podcast as uh, a great part of our history. In addition to my own passion project within the passion project, that was the Barkley podcast from May of 2020 during the pandemic. I, I mean, just because I'm a huge Charles Barkley stan, I've listened to my own podcast where I talk about Barkley many times. I mean, I, that's, uh, it's the pot, of all the podcasts that I've ever done, it's the one that I really listen to the most because I just, I, I thought that I really built a very compelling case to suggest that Charles Barkley is actually one of the 10 greatest players that ever lived in, in basketball. And um, highly encourage anybody to go back and listen to that. Kenny, I know I've convinced you that Barkley is one of the 10 greatest of all time. And so talk a little bit about how I've managed to convince you over the years. 
Well, I will say this. Justin has been <laughs> Justin has been hardcore on this. Uh, he's 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 been fighting this fight since, uh, <laughs> for for an embarrassingly long time. I'm going to say since like about the fourth grade, maybe. <laughs> I, I think longer than that, actually. But yeah, yeah, it, it's been it's been it's been going on for a minute here, you know. So um, you know he, he you know he's he's right behind Alex Caruso, but he's definitely on the list. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, this much yeah. is true. This much is true. I heard yeah, they retired Alex Caruso's number across the NBA. Yeah, they, they did. They're they're hanging it up in the rafters, man. You know, much well much love, much love to to him and the late great Bill Russell. Mostly yes. Bill Russell. Yes, R.I.P. to the great to the great Bill Russell. Absolutely. More so him than Alex Caruso, but Alex gets honorable mention as well. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I've been fighting this fight for a long time, man. Like I've, I've, I've come at it from every angle. I've, I've in the past, I've noodled on like what the argument would be to suggest that Barkley was actually greater than Michael Jordan. Like I've actually gone that far with it. Like where I've, I've like convinced myself and like kind of played with like, what would that argument look like? And like, I've, how I've, far can you go? Uh, yeah, like how far can we push this thing? And, and I put the pieces in motion. You know what's funny about Barkley, man, is that again, as a super Barkley nerd, like I've gone back and watched his old games on YouTube all the time. And every time I go back and watch his games, I'm more impressed with him now than I ever like. Like my uh, uh, affection for Barkley as a player just grows and grows and grows. Like, it, and I just I feel more and more justified when I talk about him. The more I watch him, even after all these years. And so I, I felt like I made a really strong case for why he's one of the 10 greatest ever on that podcast. Please go back and listen to it. I actually, um, I even did some more research again, because I'm a, uh, I'm a lunatic. I did some more research recently. Um, so just to kind of underscore the point about Barkley, Charles Barkley was an all NBA player 11 times in his career, 11 times. He was all NBA. One, only in one of those 11 seasons, did he have a teammate that was also all NBA? One out of 11. That is impossible. That is impossible. One out of 11 years, did he have a teammate that was all NBA in the same year? So basically, he was a top 15 player 11 times per the all NBA rules or whatever. You know, and actually, when, he, when they started all NBA, they only did um, 10 players. Uh, they only did first team and second team in the, in the late 80s. And they changed it maybe around 88, 89, something like that, to, to three teams. But the point is that he was one of the 10 to 15 best players in the league for 11 straight years. And never, with the exception of one year, did he ever have a teammate who was also on that level. That is not the case for Michael Jordan. That is not the case for Kareem or Magic or Duncan or Dirk or, you know what I'm saying, LeBron. Whoever else you want to name. Caruso, whoever else you want to throw in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just not the case, okay? These, all of these guys had these legendary teammates, and Barkley had the best teammate that Charles ever had when he was at his best was Kevin Johnson. And the one year that they both made All-NBA together was 1994. And in the 94 playoffs, they had a second-round lead against the Rockets, but Barkley was mm -hmm. nursing a bad back. They ended up losing that series in seven games after blowing a 3-2 lead. Barkley was taking shots in his back during halftime to try to get through that game seven, he was injured. He was banged up. Um, he only, he missed about 25 games that season. Like it just didn't come together that year for them. Barkley and KJ were never at their best at the same time. And that's the main reason why I think the Suns didn't win. 
But Kevin Johnson's not on that same level as a Scottie Pippen or as a Dwayne Wade or as a Magic or as a Kareem. And all these other great players played with other great players. And Charles did not have that opportunity, y'all. You know, Larry Bird had all NBA teammates. Like, Kevin Durant has all NBA teammates. Like, all these guys. You know, all these. Hakeem right. Olajuwon had all NBA teammates. Charles, Charles, one time did Charles ever have that. And it's and not that's why you see these players now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's no, why you see these players nowadays, and that's why you know it's imperative that they you know they know exactly who they're moving with, and they organize the you know, you know when major players move teams, it's like a it's a whole operation now, you know, because they have to align all the pieces, and you know everything has to be custom made when they get there. It has to be ready made for them day one, because they have to you know because you know if you do not have those pieces in place the likelihood of you just being able to just will yourself to a championship dolo is, you know, or close to it is, is slim to none. It's the, the sins of Charles Barkley is what all these other dudes are benefiting from now because they, right. they, they saw him not win a championship and then they saw him go on TV every day on every Thursday night and they hear him get roasted by Shaq and Kenny Smith for having not won. You know what I mean? Did Shaq have all, all NBA teammates? You bet your ass he did. Did Kobe have all NBA teammates? Yeah, he did. His name was Shaquille O'Neal. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, all these dudes had these great teammates, and Chuck never had that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, right. um, yeah, it's just like the the. But he his his story was a cautionary tale that paved the way for these new cats to come in and have this player empowerment thing and say to themselves. And LeBron in 2010 says, "I can't go down like Charles Barkley. I have to go get my all NBA teammates by hook or by crook." And then Kevin Durant does the same thing. And you know what I mean? And then... And they all will. No. Yeah, and they all will. And like, we've seen James Harden try to pull it six or seven times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, <laughs> on all these guys end up with these teammates that, um, you know, are all-time great players. You know, Durant... How many former MVPs does Kevin Durant get to play with? You know what I'm saying? But, but then, they, they all, when they look at the all-time rankings of these players, they all want to put Durant ahead of Barkley. And it's like, Why? Durant's great, but he's great at one thing, scoring. Like, he's not great at anything else. That's not the case with Barkley. He was a great scorer. He was a great rebounder. I believe he's one of the greatest passing power forwards that ever lived. And he was an underrated defender. You know, I mean, I could go on, but I think, I think people get the gist of it. Go back and listen to the full podcast for my full explanation, the Barkley podcast. I love it. And then as an honorable mention to that, the Chris Paul um, piece that I wrote a few years ago about how to it was the it was the haters' guide to how to deal with a Chris Paul hater. Another creative piece that I really enjoyed <laughs> writing. Once upon a time, because that guy gets a raw deal from a lot of people as well. The number four moment, and again, I'm I'm grouping together many moments in order to make this work. But predictions, 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 predictions. So this is the part, Kenny, where I'm gonna go back and I've done this on the podcast before. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. Hear that? I hear it. That's your brother patting himself on the back. Okay. <laughs> like, like, uh, who was the boy? Who was the dude from WWF? Barry Horowitz? Barry Horowitz, the winner. <laughs> I'm getting my Barry Horowitz on right now because this is the part where I take a victory lap for all of the amazing predictions that I've had on this website in sports. And I'm not just saying that, like, it's not, I, like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say I've predicted a lot of stuff. I've gotten a lot of stuff right. I'm just saying. Um, let's start with the Kawhi Leonard trade for DeMar DeRozan. I predicted that before it happened, like two months before it happened. 
So that was like uh, summer of 2018. July of 2018, Kawhi Leonard gets moved from the Spurs to the Raptors for DeMar DeRozan. In May of 2018, I was on a podcast with Jabari Davis. Shout out Jabari. We did a podcast together and I said, you know what, if I'm the Raptors, you know, this DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry thing's not working. I'm, I need to split this up. I will trade DeMar DeRozan and go get me Kawhi Leonard. And it happened two months later. And not only did it happen, they won the championship the next year. So, yeah, I think your boy is going to take a victory lap on that one. Um, go back and listen to the podcast. It was, it was from May 22nd of 2018. Uh, it was Justin Hicks, Masai, Jiri uh, collaboration. Absolutely. A Masai, Justin Hicks collaboration. Another prediction I got right, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Them chickens came home to roost, you know, in, in, in all the glorious ways that it could. Uh, I told y'all. I, matter of fact, I actually did replay the audio from the Mark draft from 2018, where I where I told you all about the stuff that I did not like about Baker Mayfield. I said he was too small. I said he played in a quarterback-friendly offense. He played in a conference that didn't play any defense. He seemed like a me guy. He seemed like a douchebag. He seemed like a dude that was concerned about himself. And and all those things, we, we saw those all those things manifest themselves in Cleveland during his time with the Browns. Thank God he's gone. The Browns have enough to worry about now at the quarterback position. They got their own problems now, but Baker Mayfield's out of the building. He's not in Berea anymore, and I could not be happier about that. Yeah, uh, you know, the Baker Mayfield experiment, it was, uh, you know, it, to me, ultimately, it was, uh, it was like... Uh, it was like the evolution of the Johnny Manziel experiment. You know, it, it was better than that, obviously, for in, in a multitude of ways. However, you know, the end result wasn't what we were desiring. And, you know, although we have, like you said, a, a, a lot of question marks and problems at quarterback at the present time, you know, the problems of, of having to deal with a quarterback that we know has an inability to uh, elevate us to the level we need us to is not the problem, I don't think. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you were right about that. <laughs> you know, I would love for uh, us to have a, you know, a, a great uh, tenure, you know, with, with Baker. But uh, like I said, things didn't work out that way. But I think that, uh, you know, I wish him, uh, you know, a, you know, a healthy career and, you know, <laughs> and whatnot in uh Carolina moving forward and like I said we're gonna I don't I don't wish him a healthy nothing in Carolina forget all that you know what I'm saying he can go there and kick rocks you know what I'm saying like that guy the the biggest issue with Baker was that his supporters were so adamant that he was the guy I think that's what what where it all stems from it's just like the just the the ferocity in which they defended him for no reason he was average his entire time in Cleveland he was average at best, word to Kevin Samuels. You know what I'm saying? That's what he was. And people just swore up and down and he was better than he was. And it was all because the Browns quarterback play had been horrendous for 20 years. And they finally got somebody who was a notch above horrendous and they hyped him up like he was Patrick Mahomes. And he was never that. And all of his greatest accomplishments and greatest games came against bum competition. But whenever the game was on the line against a good team, he pretty much always folded up like, like a like a pup tent. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it was never there with Baker Mayfield. So uh, I'm not gonna miss him. Uh, I don't think you're gonna miss him either. 
lest we forget all the heat that Odell caught. And and I and I and I said this on the podcast, and I'll say it again. Why is it that we all criticize Odell for what Odell's dad did on Twitter, but we never criticize Baker for what Baker's wife used to do on Twitter? Baker's wife used to say stuff that was inflammatory to the point that it could have split the locker room itself. Like she made those types of statements on Twitter and on, on social media as well. But when when Emily Mayfield does it, it's Emily Mayfield. It's not Baker Mayfield. But when Odell Sr. does some stuff, we blame Odell Jr. for it. I never understood that. I think it was low-key racist, actually. But that's another story for another day. Another prediction. This one, this one is so Baker Mayfield was recent. You know, I think people get that. They probably they're probably tired of hearing me talk about him. Here's a lesser known moment that people ought to know about. It was the prediction that I made in the 2013 NBA Finals. So that was the year that the Heat defeated the San Antonio Spurs. I had the Heat winning the NBA Finals before that season started. You can look it up. It's on the website. Now, not, now that, that alone is not, like, earth-shattering because that was in the LeBron. That was when LeBron, Wade, and Bosch were in their heyday. So that's not, like, uh, off, you know, that's not, like, an off-the-charts prediction on its face. But not only did I have the Heat before the season started, I had the Heat playing the Spurs in the Finals before the playoffs started. Then I had, I, at the start of the finals, I predicted that the Heat would win in seven games, which they did. And then I went on to predict every single game of the NBA Finals correctly. Seven for seven in that series, all on Twitter. I did that. And then I had the Spurs winning the 2014 title before the following season. So again, that this is where the Barry Horowitz comes into play. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, I you know I'm just saying like that's, and to take it to another level, Tom Brady. I mean, have have I been more right about anything than I have been about Tom Brady, Kenny? Uh, no, you. I would say that Tom Brady. You know, the Tom Brady conversation on Hip Hop Sports Report, I think, has probably been. Uh, probably the the shining moment at the site on the whole <laughs> it's been at a fever pitch for, for years yeah you know and it, you know and you know when it was you know when it was the flake gate you know when it was uh <laughs> when it was I'm still seething yeah. about the flake gate <laughs> only me you was, <laughs> yeah me and tom it was bullshit <laughs> they suspended him for nothing <laughs> There's no rule against deflating the footballs. That is allowed in the rule book. You're just not allowed to do it past a certain limit. But science took care of that for us. <laughs> Deflategate was a sham. You know how I know? Because in the Wells report, the Wells report also stated that the Colts footballs were also deflated. Gee, I wonder why. Because they were playing in the same damn weather conditions that the Patriots were. Did anybody care that the Colts balls were deflated past the legal limit? Nobody cared. They only cared about Brady, even though his team won by 40 points that day. And then everybody tried to like attach that to his success and be like, oh, he's only successful because of the flake gate. And then he goes out when everyone, when all the eyes were on him and all the footballs, he goes out and then he beats the Legion of Boom with a 10-point fourth quarter comeback that at the time was the greatest fourth quarter comeback in Super Bowl history, only to be surpassed two years later by who? Tom Brady when he was down 28 to 3 with 18 minutes left against the Atlanta Falcons. Come on, man. Let's not do this. Talk talk. Can I talk my for a minute? I mean, are you serious? 
Like, like it's, it's. I mean, it's just mind blowing, man. Like, I, I cut you off. I apologize. You were saying about the Flake Gate. No, no, no. And you know, and that's the funny thing about it is that you know, when you look back at the Flake Gate, you know, up, you know, you know, I've watched football my entire life, and you know, up until that that point in history, you know. I had never heard of deflated footballs being a thing, you know? And then at that point, it was like talked about like it was common knowledge, like it was like cork, corked bats or something, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, yeah, that's what everybody does when they try to get over. They deflate the footballs. And it's like, well, and and because he, he's doing it now, he's like some kind of master of chess that nobody, he's doing something that nobody else is doing or could do or, you know, it was just a whole weird, you know, witch hunt. And... You know, and that and that was the thing was that, you know, I, it was just it was very bizarre. But I felt that, you know, here at HHSR, you know, you you took the bull by the horns, you know, you 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 uh, went into the the reports, you know, everything was very uh, detailed at the time, to you know what was actually the you know the the nature of of what was happening at the time, you know, and like I said, it was I think that. You know, that was just a part of the greater, uh, you know, the greater conversation of the legacy of, of, of the greatest football player of all time, you know. And, you know, that was not the only thing that you focused on. You know, like I said, it's, it's been the entire body of his career, you know. And I think that this site has done a great job of highlighting that. And, you know, and, you know, the thing is that. It, it's, it's not been about it's it, i feel that it's come from a place of objectivity and not objectivity in the sense that you don't like you know i i know i get it that you like tom brady but you know it wasn't in the sense of like oh i'm just saying th- these things because i want to believe that this is the way it was that okay well you know you know people were acting like it was uh you know uh tom brady and peyton manning were you know coke and pepsi at one point in time you know like it was either or kind of thing <laughs> You know, and, you know, we found out that one of those was not like the other. No, it wasn't. You know, and, you know, so I think that this site, you know, was very steadfast in that. And, you know, and I think that all along, we, you know, we've done a great job here of of just kind of highlighting, you know, Tom and, and, you know, and chronicling what he's done all along. I mean, as I've said on many occasions, I have no justification to be a Tom Brady fan. He went to Michigan. I'm an Ohio State fan. I grew up rooting for Ohio State. I applied to college and got accepted to Ohio State. Like, I always wanted to be a Buckeye. I I grew up in the Buckeye State. I have no affinity to Michigan whatsoever. Brady is a Wolverine through and through. He convinced me with his dominance that what he was doing was not just some... People just act like all of his success is just some wild coincidence. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. After 20 years... They still think that they still treat him like it's just like happenstance that all this stuff just worked out for him. And it's just like, yeah, did he get lucky? Of course. So does everybody else. That's great. Everybody gets lucky. But it's more than that with him. And Deflategate was a colossal witch hunt. And we saw the 28 to 3 comeback. You know what I'm saying? I never gave up the faith in that game. You remember the text threads. I was I was holding out hope even down 28 to 3. And he actually came back and did that. You know what I mean? Like I've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and then when he left and went to Tampa and we had to deal with 20 years of he's a system quarterback. How dumb of an argument could that have been when we had all the evidence that showed that Belichick without Brady, he had coached nine years as a head coach in the NFL 
without Brady. Nine years worth of games as a head coach without Brady before Brady left New England. And Belichick was 500 in that time frame. He was actually a little under 500 in those nine seasons. Nine seasons worth of, nine seasons of evidence showed you that Bill is average. And guess what? What has Bill been since Brady left him? He's been average. Like, this was, none of this was difficult, but people just refused to accept it. And so that's why I ride so hard for Brady. And they threw dirt on my boy was my quote from the time <laughs> that they threw dirt on him in that Kansas City game in 2014 or 15, whatever that was on Monday night, when Brady just can't have a bad game. If he has a bad game, it has to be the sky is falling. His time is up. He's about to, you know, pack it in or whatever. And he just proved everybody wrong. Uh, the last thing. Uh, oh, and then he goes to Tampa and he wins again. And, and he beats Mahomes. And I mean, come on, man. Aaron Rodgers. People want to say Aaron Rodgers is better than him. Come on, man. It's a joke. Uh, the last thing I'll point out as far as predictions go, uh, my predictions of NFL playoff football games is stellar. Like from the time I started picking NFL playoff games on this website, and all, this is all data that you can go back and look up on the site. My all-time record is 74 and 36 picking NFL playoff games. 74 and 36. That's a 67% clip. Okay? Professional gamblers, professional gamblers hang out in the 53 to 55% range. I'm at 67%. Holla at your boy. Number three, Nipsey Hussle. God bless him. We lost Nip March 31st, 2019. Um, There's a lot of reasons that go into why uh, frankly, I don't cover hip hop as much as I used to on this website. Not the least of which would be that I started a family and now I have little kids around me all the time. So I can't be playing the music around me all like that. And, and I, and my time is divided. And so I'm not able to dive into the music. The rise of podcasts over the last 10 years have siphoned away my time. Um, you know, I still work full time and I don't have the commute like I used to have. So I'm not in the car by myself to listen to the profane music and all that stuff. And then throw in the fact that Nip got killed and he was, he wasn't a new rapper, but he was like my favorite rapper of the newish kind of rappers. Again, he, he's been around for a while, but his career really took off around 2015, 2016. And then Victory Lap was his first studio album in February of 2018. And then he was gone by March of 2019. And so it's really, I mean, tragic, obviously, is, is the word that comes to mind. But um, when we went out to L.A. and we went to, um, we live streamed from Nipsey Hustle Square, what's now known as Nipsey Hustle Square, uh, you and I were there together. My wife was there. My daughter was there. And that was a special moment for me. Just experiencing that with you. You took us down to, to Crenshaw and Slauson. And, and it was like a pilgrimage, man. There were so many other people there that were just there to do the same thing that we was doing. It was like a historic landmark that, 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 that that's where he was killed. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I felt like I, we paid homage to, to Nip that day. I, I've written about Nipsey on the site before, but that was a special moment for me. Yeah, completely, completely. You know, um, you know, we both share a love for Nipsey Hussle, his music, uh, his vision, his acumen. You know, um, you know what he represented. You know, for the culture. You know, beyond just the the music itself. You know, and uh, you know, for us to be able to to go there, I, like I said again, uh, you know, much like you know when Kobe passed away. You know, it was one of those things where you know I remember where I was when I found out about Nipsey Hussle. You know. And, you know, being, uh, you know, an L.A. resident, you know, I won't say that it impacted me any greater than it would have if, it, if I lived elsewhere. But I will say that I, you know, I definitely felt the, 
the the pain of the city, you know, and I felt, you know, I, you could you could definitely feel that, you know, there was a, you know, that there was a, a city in mourning, you know, it definitely felt like they lost, you know, their own son. And, you know, it was for senseless reasons, you know, and that's the saddest, that's the saddest thing of all of it was that, you know, it wasn't about anything that it wasn't about, you know, anything that was, you know, a principle or anything of any real substance, you know, from what we have gathered from the court hearings and everything, you know, so, you know, at this point in time, you know, looking back at it, you know, I think that it was, like I said, it was great for us to be able to, uh, you know, pay our respects to uh, Nipsey and his legacy and his music. Um, and I think that, you know, like I said, it was a great opportunity for us to, to be in that space. You know, like I said, I, I, although I live in Southern California and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, in that vicinity a lot, I don't go to that area very often. You know, I've been there before, you know, I haven't been back since I, I went there with you that day. And, um, you know, it was enough. It was enough. And uh, like I said, it, you know, he, he's just a powerful, powerful brother. And he'll definitely be missed for a long, long time to come. What's weird is that in the time, I mean, he, he, he put in so much effort to try to build up that area of his community. And supposedly in the time since, it's actually become a pretty crime infested area with, with robberies and shootings and things like that. Like in, since his murder, it's sadly become like that. And they've actually shut down the whole area altogether from what I understand. Um, they've, they've completely shut it down now and you can't even go there anymore and pay the respects in you know, all the murals, all the beautiful artwork that commemorates Nipsey Hussle. Uh, you can't even go there and, and, um, and visit it anymore. At least like, not like you once could. Not like when we went. And so wow. we were fortunate enough to go there at a time where it was still available to the public. And again, it was, it was on a Friday morning. It was, on a, it was like at 11 o'clock on a Friday morning. And there were just droves of people, like by the dozens that were there to pay respects for this guy, just like we did. And he is so much more famous now in death than he was in life. He's actually getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame um, on what would be his 37th birthday on August 15th. And so shout out to Nip for that. I actually got into a back and forth with a guy um, who made a video, I guess, saying that Nipsey's, like his foundations weren't, like none of his charitable work had really done anything. Like that was kind of the argument that he was making. Like he had called Vector 90 and he had called uh, the Nipsey Hustle Foundation and none of these entities were really doing anything anymore. They, were, they weren't really um, up and running at all at this point. And I thought that that was really unfair and unfortunate that this person took that approach. And we kind of went back and forth about it a little bit. You know, he was saying that Puma, he, the deal with Puma was that Puma was supposed to be taking funds from their clothing uh, partnership with Nip and that they were supposed to be funneling it, I guess, into his foundation or something like that. But it didn't appear that that had been happening. I think if that's the case, and I think that's a fair criticism, but it almost sounded like he was criticizing Nip himself and he said he wasn't, but the, the way that it was presented, it kind of sounded like he was and that, or he was just saying like, it was just like all for all for show either like either Nip himself or the people around him were just trying to build him up into something that he wasn't just for show, but he didn't, he never really explained who exactly was benefiting from that and what the, what the end game was and beyond Puma or whatever. Like he never really, there was no conclusion to it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I just thought it was a little unfair because I'm like, well, hold on now. Like 
they, they just wrapped up the court cases. Like the court proceedings just ended like uh, two months ago or a month ago where, where that, where that scumbag got put away for life. You know what I'm saying? And then, mm-hmm. and then they, and then the, the marathon clothing line is still thriving. His weed brand, I think is thriving uh, as far as I know. And, and yeah, like not all, Nip had his hand in a lot of different pots. I don't think all these things are going to thrive in the way that they did without the visionary of the man himself. I don't think it's unreasonable Absolutely. to think that when he dies, especially when he dies in such a tragic way that he did, that some of these things were going to fall off by the wayside. Like, have you ever seen a family try to divide a little bit of money after a relative dies? Knock down, drag out, you know, full on, you know, like family feuds over just a few dollars. Like when some when somebody dies, like it can throw a lot of people's lives into upheaval. You can't expect that these things are just going to carry on like they once did or that everybody's going to have the same interest to see these things through as when he, Nip, Nip was alive himself to, to do it himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just thought that that was a really bogus take. And, uh, and I'm proud of Nip for getting a star on the Walk of Fame, even though from a music standpoint, he doesn't deserve it. But the impact that he had posthumously, we see now, I mean, how many guys get a funeral in the Staples Center? As far as I know, it's Michael Jackson, Kobe, and Nipsey Hussle. So I think that that warrants a star on the Walk of Fame in his hometown, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I I, I did you know I I I saw what was the, the back and forth and everything, and you know, and and I, I saw the video even. You know, I, I watched the good portion of it. You know, I didn't. You know, first of all, I thought that it was kind of clickbaitish. You know, the title said he was exposing something. Well, I'm like, well, who are you exposing? Exactly. You know, if you, you know, if if you say you're if 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 you title it an exposure. But you don't say who you're exposing, then what have you exposed? You know, you 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 call some numbers that didn't work. <laughs> you exposed the phone service. Like, what did you expose here, my man? Like, you know, right. I, I get it. Like, I get it. The phone numbers don't work. Okay, the websites aren't. You know, and to your point, you know, the the uh, you know these visions aren't necessarily where they would have been if Nip was here. You also got to keep in mind, you know. Nip, when he passed, had one studio album. So all this had led up to one studio album. So if it took him that long to get a studio album out, then imagine how long it was going to take for him to get a Vector 90 off the ground or, you know, uh, you know whatever else he was trying to do. You know, these things take time, you know. And, yeah, he, his, his, his stature was growing, and that would have helped probably move some of these things along. But, you know... Yeah, when you have all these interests and these ideas and these plans for things that, especially outside of the 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 space of hip hop, yeah, it's going to take a while to get those things off the ground. And especially if you have a lot of people around you, you know, if you know, because again, he's got him his his team of street dudes, and then he's got you know these people that he's reached out to in spaces outside of that that are helping him, you know. But if he is the conduit between the street dudes and you know these you know, outside, you know, thinkers or whatever, you know, who's supposed to keep that alive when he's gone and he was the driving force behind all this. So again, I get it. You know, I understand that, you know, this guy wanted to uh, expose something, something, but, you know, and, you know, so more power to him for that, I guess. He was reaching. (laughs) Yeah. It was stretch Armstrong, man. It was stretch Armstrong. It was a giant reach. The whole thing was a giant reach, you know, and I don't know how, and then he his his way to combat it, and I've done this before, where you try to you try to you know, uh, you go the Eminem eight mile route, where you try to take on the argument that the other person's gonna have to combat whatever it is that you're saying. I do that in my articles all the time. 
he just his argument was, I know some of y'all are going to say that he died and, you know, but you got to stop that. Like he just tried to sweep it under the rug like it doesn't matter. It's like, no, the guy left the earth. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the guy with the idea and the the vision and the notoriety and the money and the money isn't here. Yeah. So it's like you really think that like all of these things are just going to just flow seamlessly without him. Let's forget like this. You know, you know, heaven forbid you're not here one day. I don't know that I'll be able to carry the torch of HHSR quite the same way that you did. Well, I don't know that, and I don't know who's going to, that guy that made that video, I don't know who's going to carry his platform when he's dead and gone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, we question. really think it's going to be carried with the same intensity that it is when he's here? You know, who's going to be making YouTube videos on his behalf? Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, like, I, I don't think it's unreasonable. Like, you, like, you expected all this stuff to just pick up like nothing happened when he's gone. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to mourn, you know, divvy up all <laughs> financial resources appropriately yeah his estate get all that squared away yeah <laughs> all his accounts uh, yeah you know handle the business the music business stuff first handle the the the, the, fi- the clothing stuff which is actually running the court case Second, you know deal with the court case and launch charitable organizations all at the same time yeah and it's like and again to your earlier point if you're not holding nip responsible who are you holding responsible like specifically who are you holding responsible who are you making this video for <laughs> Like, like, I just thought that he could have taken it a different route and said, man, it's disappointing that, that his ventures haven't panned out entirely since his demise. Maybe we can come up with a way to motivate some people to, to you know, back him in the way that they were backing him once upon a time versus, man, that's that Hollywood shit for you, bro. Like, you got to watch it. Like, what? Like, that's just some typical, I don't know, typical internet stuff in 2022. Um Let's hurry up and try to wrap up. Well, I know we're at the top two. So number two, I already mentioned Master Ace. I mean, how many times do you get to have a real hip-hop legend come through? Again, man, this is a, this is a small-time mom-and-pop operation of a podcast. You know, I can cop to that. But Master Ace blessed us, man. He came through, and, um, you know, I, I still interact with him on Twitter every once in a blue moon, but I, I really appreciate him doing that. Um, you know, he, he even told me he was going to put me on with some of his other uh, – his other uh, – cohorts from his rap days you know what i'm saying from from <laughs> from new york you know what i mean and i would appreciate that you know that was something that in it, it was on me that i didn't follow through with that more so in the moment uh because you know life kind of got in the way but you know master ace if you hear this man thank you thank you thank you because that was an amazing moment in the history of this website and in this podcast and um i'm just uh still kind of awed that that he took time out to be on his podcast no that was super cool like i said I, you know i thought it was a great a great moment for the site you know and like you said you know as a site that was you know especially at that point still really trying to you know get its footing and everything especially in the podcasting space you know to have somebody come in that was a real hip-hop legend you know a real veteran come in and be able to you know you know, just talk about the game and, and talk about, you know, where it was at and where it's going from his perspective. I thought that was just so cool, you know, and, you know, like I said, him to give up his time and everything was just real gracious of him. So, you know, I thought that was, um, you know, like I said, absolutely one of my favorite moments uh, in, in the history of the site for sure. He's still making music. I think he just uh, was, was on tour recently. I think it was his last tour that uh, he was just wrapping up. 
I mean, you never know with musicians, you know what I'm saying? It, it, every tour is their last tour until the next tour. But, you know, we, we, we don't want to see Ace go just yet, man. The guy still got bars, you know what I'm saying? So so for all my older, older head uh, hip-hop fans, I know y'all I know y'all check out Master Ace and I know y'all still rock with him. And, and maybe the newer kids can, can learn a little bit of something about uh, one of the real OGs in the game. Shout out Master Ace for, for blessing us. And the number one moment thing, event in the history of hip-hop sports support in these last 10 years has to be the time that the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead to those Cavaliers from Cleveland. Oh, and the Cavaliers won the NBA championship, man. They're still um, mad about that, too. They are. You know what it is? Because the Warriors, for all the championships they've won, and, you know, I'm sure that they're comfortable where they are. Like, they'd rather give up that one and still have the other four that they've won in the last decade as opposed to having the 2016 title and then not having those other four. But they know that that was the one that held the most significance out of all these titles that they've won. Like, it's hard to say that a a title was more important than another title, but it is. (laughs) The most important series in basketball of the last 10 years the most important NBA finals, one of the most important NBA finals you've ever seen because of what it meant to LeBron's legacy. Um, and, and what, and, and it was something that's never been done before. It was a three, one deficit overcome. Um, I mean, that, that was the biggest series of the NBA. I, I don't know, probably since Jordan beat the jazz in 98, that'd be my guess. Um, I mean, that, that series stands apart from other NBA finals. And, as many times as we've seen the Warriors in it, that was the one. Because had they won that series, it launches all of them into a new stratosphere. It was much like when the Patriots lost to the Giants when they were undefeated and they 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 went 18 and 1 instead of 19 and 0. It was very similar. Like that was the one that meant the most. And they blew it. And they lost to the better team, which I also predicted, by the way, that the Cavs would win that series, even though nobody was giving them a shot. And I, I remember it clear as day on television, all the like they, they would break down like all the guys on Sports Center, like Tim Legler and all these guys breaking down, like who has the advantage on offense, on defense, in coaching, in experience, in shooting, in this and like every element. And it was literally like Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. It was like eight categories and seven of them were Warriors. You know what I'm saying? And the Cavs mm-hmm. won the damn series. Let's not forget the the one of the biggest lies ever told again. The Draymond Green suspension is the reason why the Cavs won that series. I don't know how many times I have to hear that garbage from reputable sources. Um, I don't know how many times I have to hear it. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense. It never made any sense. It's not true. Draymond was a defensive force. He goes out. LeBron scores 41 points. He comes back the next day. LeBron scores 41 points again. And Cavs win both games. He plays in game seven. Draymond plays the best basketball ever in his life in game seven. And they still lost the game. So don't tell me that Draymond Green is the reason why the Cavs won the series. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It never did. But it's one of the nope, biggest it, It's one of the biggest lies that you ever hear. But what that meant for Cleveland and some of the stuff that I wrote after that, just, um, you know, just in terms of like what it meant for LeBron, LeBron versus Kobe versus Jordan, um, LeBron's return to Cleveland. Even I wrote a great article, one of my most proud articles was what I wrote about from the Clevelanders perspective, what it meant for LeBron to come back when he wrote that letter coming back, even though it was kind of a sham in hindsight, but even still it was great for the moment, all that stuff. Um, it, it was just special, man. And it was special to, I, I was sad that I, I didn't get to be with our dad 
from when the Cavs won the NBA championship. You were, but I wasn't with them. But I was so blessed to be able to hold my infant son when the Cavs won the NBA championship. And I'm fighting back tears holding, holding my son, who was all of six months old at the time. And then me and my six-month-old son and my wife went back to Cleveland for the championship parade. And that was a moment that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And, um, and, and it was awesome. And, and it, it meant the world to me. I'm sure it meant the world to you, too, as a, as a Cleveland native. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I've, I've told you many times that, you know, I've, I've moved away from Cleveland. It's been some years since I lived at home. And, you know, but as such, you know, I've, I've been I'm always the ambassador, you know, right. and because and especially because Cleveland is, you know, has such a you know wild connotation to it. You know, I, I'm always the person that, you know, I'm here to say, no, it's not, you know, you know, this is what we're about. You know, this is who we are, you know. People don't get it. Remember when we were in Vegas and, and we had on our Cleveland gear and we were walking by that pool at that casino and then some mm-hmm. dude was just like, Cleveland sucks. And like, I'm like, nah, I really don't though. And then he's like, yes, it does. And then you had something to say back to him. And like, we kept it moving. Like we kept it pushing, but like it almost turned into a thing. It's like people, yeah. from, for people from other cities don't deal with that. But for some reason, people just think they can try you because you're from Cleveland. I don't understand it. I don't think that would have happened if we had a Milwaukee Bucks hats. No. If we had on a Kansas City Chiefs shirt, anybody talking about Kansas City reckless out in Vegas? I don't think that's happening. But everybody feels that they could take their little shots at Cleveland, and that was the moment that Cleveland said, F all (laughs) y'all. We got the best basketball team in the world, and we're going to celebrate this like like never before you know what i'm saying and absolutely so yeah so actually you know to to be able you know because i was away from home you know i I was fortunate enough to actually be with my dad for father's day and on father's you know, day i'm glad you mentioned that yep you know and to be able to, to to share that moment like that will you know the thing is like that will that will always that will be the the crowning father's day moment that i'll always remember with my father forever you know, like, you know, I'm 41 years old, so I've had a bunch of Father's Days. I, you know, I can't tell you what happened on any of the other ones. I can definitely tell you what happened on that one. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and to juxtapose that with me being my, on my first Father's Day ever. Yes. With my little boy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just, it was just the coolest moment, man. It was, it was the greatest moment that's taken place since we launched this website, in my estimation. And, um... And I, I can't wait to win another one. I just need my teams yeah. to get their act together <laughs> so we can do it again. I'm ready to spin the block, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's run it back one more time. Let's get, let's get a couple more rings out of here before, before, we, before we check out. Let's get a couple more rings under our belt. I mean, I would love to see the Cavs and the, and the guards win one. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, nothing's like the first one. And so, yeah, on Father's Day, man, I mean, you can't, you can't top that. Um, as far as that's that's our list. Um, just to wrap up really quick, the most popular post you would never guess what the most popular post is in terms of views in the history of, of the website. It's actually wow. it's actually the top five Nas and AZ songs together. That post what? has over ten thousand views. What? <laughs> Nas and AZ. Shout out to Sosa. Different Sosa hey. this time, although not really. But yeah, shout out to Nas <laughs> and AZ, man. Uh, I don't know why they ever. I'm not, I still don't know why they never did an album together. But um, but yeah, if, that, if we if we could get an EP, even <laughs> give us like eight songs. Like, come on, man. Like, 
you know, but um, yeah, that was number one. Number two was um, God's Devil's Bars and Shovels. That was my take on the Eminem versus Machine Gun Kelly beef. Uh, that's number two in the history. That was a wild time in hip hop. Yeah, huh? That was a wild time in hip hop. Yeah, it was. And then, and then number three was the the ten questions about Jimmy Haslam's asinine plan to fix the Browns. Uh, that was number three. So those are the top three most popular posts in the history of the website. Um, I think I got to thank my wife again, man. Ashley, I love you. Thank you for allowing me to to pursue this for ten years. Whether it brings home the bacon or not, it's something that I have fun doing. And it's been, it's just been a lot of fun. It's helped me bond with my friends. It's helped me make some new friends. And uh, I just got to thank her for that. Uh, I got to thank our mom and dad um, for, for being loyal supporters and listeners. My mom even getting her girlfriends to listen to the podcast and stuff like that. And my dad listens to it all the time. Like, you know, that just makes me smile. I'm smiling right now just talking about it. Like, uh, I hope, I hope I'm making them proud with the podcast and I hope we are collectively as well. Um, I mentioned Scheme earlier, Sasha, uh, Adam Clark, my, my dear friend from, from Ball State, Adam Clark. Uh, he's the one that first introduced me to radio, and so I still owe him a ton. And another unsung hero, this man, I don't even think he's ever listened to the podcast, doesn't even know that I'm going to thank him, but I'm going to thank him anyways. Branson Wright, who formerly wrote for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, um, I met with him years ago. I don't even know. I may have just, I may have been like a sophomore or a junior in college, and uh, I, I reached out to him. And he, he responded, and uh, we linked up. We, we met at Richmond Mall in, in Lynnhurst, Ohio, or Richmond Heights, Ohio, I guess. I don't know. Um, we met at Richmond Mall at the coffee shop, and we just sat and talked about sports writing and, and what a career in sports writing would look like. And I didn't become a sports writer, but I kind of did become a sports writer. And so I, I owe uh, a debt of gratitude to Branson Wright for that. So thank you, Branson, for sharing that time with me and your wisdom with me. Um, all of our podcast guests, Master Ace, Drew Joyce, Roy Hall, <clears throat> excuse me, so many others, Vince Hicks, Mark Hicks, um, Michael Hicks, uh, so many others, Ashley Hicks, she's been on the podcast. I mean, a lot of Hickses, but uh, besides just them, um, I, I've, I mean, I've had uh, Cray Allred is another one who helped me get the podcast on iTunes. Thank you, Cray. Uh, I think he's been on the podcast before. Terry Palmer, um, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Parks. Tay Jordan, I'm gonna forget people. You know what I'm saying? Anybody that's supported the podcast over the years, man, I'm just, I'm just, um, I don't want to get emotional, man. But I, I'm just, I'm just really touched that y'all have supported and rock with me for this long. Um, you know, anybody who's ever retweeted a podcast, I got cousins in. We all of our cousins that you know, Alicia and Nan and Pam. And, you know what I'm saying? All y'all, you know, it's not lost on me when y'all take the time to share my work because y'all don't have to do that. Um, uh, I mean, there's too many to name. There's too many people to name over 10 years, man. I've gotten support from so many people and, and I've made friends and stuff like that through, through the website and everything. And I mean, I don't know, man, I I'm just, I, we're, I'm short on time. So I'm going to just try to keep it brief, but, um, anybody else that I may have forgotten, man, I, I apologize, man, but 10 years in the making, it's not something that, that I do on my own. And, uh, as, and I owe as much of a thank you as anybody to anybody, uh, to you, Kenny, and to Anthony, um, for you guys always having my back and, and being my consigliaries, bouncing stuff off of you guys, bouncing ideas off of you guys. You guys have written for the podcast. You guys have done podcasts or written for the website. You guys have done podcasts. Um, you guys have done it all, man. And you guys have devoted your time and energy and money, literally your money into the podcast and into the website. 
Um, Kenny, you got to come on and talk about natural life on the website before. Um, so that was dope. Like, uh, you guys have written some great articles some great pieces and, um, you guys are great. I mean, you're my brother and I love you for that. And I love Anthony like a brother and you guys are great friends. You guys are great workers. You guys are great friends. You guys are great minds. And, um, I just, I just, I'm just, like I said, I'm just very much, uh, fortunate to have you guys as kind of like ride or dies for the, for the website, for the podcast. And so many, so many other people that have, have joined us and that have helped us. I mentioned Rob earlier, Rob, my, my, my boy, Rob Parks, uh, a sports writer in his own right. He always supports the site, always retweeting and repping, you know what I'm saying? So many people, man. Like I just, I, I can't, I'm not going to name them all. So I wrote down as many as I could remember, but there's going to be a lot that I forget. So I apologize in advance for that y'all. But any final words before we sign off, Kenny? Uh, no, man. I mean, like I said, I don't want to, you know, step on, on your time here too much, but like I said, I, I really, you know, I know that this has been a passion of yours for many years. You know, you know, I said, we grew up in the same, you know, in bunk beds, man. So, you know, in our room, you know, growing up, it was, it was sports and hip hop, man. <laughs> that was what it was, you know, Basically. and, you know, and, 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 and a lot of, and a lot of things grew from there, you know, and, you know, and, you know, we, you know, we were adults when you started this, but, you know, we've, you know, delved, you know, gotten way further into manhood, <laughs> you know, over the course of time that this, that this website's been up and running, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a crazy kind of, like you said, a marker in time almost when I think about it, when, you know, you said when my daughter was born, you know, this, you know, this website was just getting started, you know, now you look up and, you know, and, and she's 10 and the site is 10, you know, and you know, like I said, I'm just I'm grateful to be a part of it, man. You know, like I said Anthony is he's got a great mind for sports. You know, he's a he's a great writer. You know, you're a better writer than I am. You know, I'm great. I'm glad I could be a part of this. That's false. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I like I said, I you know I, I love you know you know it's a great release for me because it's a great opportunity for me to talk about things that I really care about outside of uh, you know just the the mundane stuff of, of everyday life you know so I, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of of your vision it's a big love fest here uh at the 10-year anniversary of hip-hop sports support uh this will be posted it, right now it's, it's after it's, it's it's actually past one o'clock in the morning uh on saturday august 13th so we are living in it the 10-year anniversary of hip-hop sports support thank you kenneth thank you anthony and thank all of you guys who have ever taken the time to press play on a podcast or clicked on an article and read any of my ramblings or listened to any of my ridiculousness. I thank you. Um, you know, I do this for fun, man. But to, to know that I actually have people that actually support me and rock with me, it means the world to me. So thank you. I love y'all. We'll get at y'all again. <laughs> Year 10 and beyond. I love y'all. Peace. <laughs>